He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get food again. He's Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. You know, when you hear that intro, we've got an awfully big old packed show coming in. Just been uh, texting with uh, Chip Roy, and he's due to call in any second now. So we're going to be moving the um, announcements, uh, the calendar down to the uh, bottom of the show today. We also have uh, Jonathan Sines coming on today, but not his normal time block. He's going to be on at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we're going to be talking about parental rights um, in schools, uh, your rights, new laws that have passed, uh, your rights that you've had for a long time, maybe not even some of the new ones, but some of the old rights that you may not be familiar with and that may be um, that you probably need to know this year with all the insanity going on. Uh, there is a hearing this afternoon over the dirty books in Fredericksburg, and uh, I'll be testifying on that, and I know a number of other people will be. If there's any way you can make it up to the um, board meeting, the trustees, this is a special meeting, um, basically just to uh, give Tara Petch a uh, chance to, uh, this is uh, stage three of her grievances against the uh, Fredericksburg schools for um, continuing to supply pornography and, and nasty material to our kids um, in the middle school and the high school. And I think by now, these, um, uh, by now the, uh, everybody on the school board, if they don't know what these materials are by now, if they have not seen these materials by now, then, I, they, then they're, they're not doing their job. If they haven't by now, you know, it's been a year and a half since uh, this was brought up for Tara. And um, we're now getting to her hearing that I think according to law, I it has a time limit on it that is much less than a year and a half. Way, way, way much less than a year and a half. And uh, the other side is always insisting on following the rules. In fact, if Tara Petch had you know, improperly filled out a form or had, uh, you know, uh, filed a grievance against something that couldn't be grieved against. Um, they'd be all over it. They'd say, well, you didn't fill in line 17 that way now. And, oh, you didn't put the date down when you signed it. So that that is the way the law works. And uh, that is the way these guys are going to manipulate it. Those who are attempting and they still, if they still think they're talking about the freedom of speech and all of that, then they've got their heads so far up there, uh, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about, I, that they are, they are part of the problem. At, at this point in time, if you're still defending uh, these books, if you're still calling it a freedom of speech issue, if you're still uh, referring to it as, you know, a First Amendment issue, these kids have a right to read these books, if you're still at that point, then we know exactly who you are. We know exactly who you are because there is no excuse anymore. This is not, this is not, uh, it, these are not mild references to something that makes you uncomfortable. See, that's the way it was for many years. It was, um, 
in a lot of these books, uh, it was mild references to things that made people uncomfortable. We're so far beyond that. We are so far beyond that. Um, these are basically how-to books for um, sexual engagement. Um, it's being peddled to minors, and it's giving them drawings, graphic instructions on how to perform a number of different sexual acts, um, and uh, it's it's right there. And uh, these the, these uh, school board members who still think this is appropriate, still think these books need defending, folks. We cannot continue to put these people in positions of authority. Because there's only one motivation. I, I can't think of any motivation for exposing children to this material unless you're setting them up for, unless you're, I don't know, um, let's see, let me come up with the appropriate word, grooming. That would be the word. If you're, if you're grooming these children for behaviors you would like to see in the future, then, then these are the books that will do it. You know, Christians... Um, uh, over f for as long as I can remember, we talk about raising your kids and, 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 and yes, Christians groom their children. We do, don't we? We groom our children. We groom our children to be good Christians. And, uh, so folks, I got a flashing light over here. We're going to check in and see if this is our representative, uh, Chip Roy. This is Matt Long. You're live on the air. Matt, how are you, brother? I apologize. I had a call that came in. It caused me to be a little late. I'm sorry. No, no worries. Not to worry about it. We understand your schedule. I appreciate Nate helping us set this up. And um, so uh, you're on your you're back in the the state of Texas right now. Are y'all on a break, or is this a, a little just a little trip back in? Well, this is our you know work period in August. I think we ought to be in D.C. You know, figuring out how to deal with all of this funding debacle so that we don't fund tyranny. You know, I'll talk about that more in a minute. But so I would be there, and that was my recommendation. But uh, you know, the schedule is you know people set up other events and they travel and they go do things, and so uh, we're we're in our work period, and I'm uh, you know going around the district and visiting with folks. I'll be in Canyon Lake with uh, some great. Uh, folks there in uh, about 30 minutes okay we um let's see i got three topics i want to get to you if we possibly can before the bottom of the hour um we have first of all you wrote an article uh wrote a, an article in national review um and by the way folks that is behind a paywall but you get three views per month and so um yeah. i forwarded this to several people but it's an article called The Constitutional Case for Impeaching Mayorkas. I got an email yesterday when I said you were going to be on here, and that was the number one question they ask is, what What are you waiting for? So tell us where we at on where we are at on the possibility of impeaching Mayorkas. Well, look, I've been calling on impeaching him for about two years. It was very clear to me that he was not following the law. He was violating his oath under the Constitution. Uh, laid out multiple prongs of the, of the case I think that we would levy against him. Since that time, uh, he has lied to me under oath uh, and then lied to other people under oath. And then, uh, you know, when pressed on it in a hearing about three weeks ago, uh, he had nothing to say. He kept trying to say, well, I didn't mean that, uh, that we have operational control under the Secure Fence Act definition. And I was like, Mr. Secretary, I literally held up the statute in front of you at the time. And you looked at it, and you smirked, and you said, yes, we have operational control. And people would say, well, 
that doesn't matter. That's not like, no, it does matter because they're trying to lie to the American people that they have control of our border. They're trying to lie to people who don't actually watch uh, the, the right uh, sources of information and don't know how bad it is at the border, don't know how many Texans are dying, don't know how many uh, migrants are dying, don't know how much cartels are in power, don't know how much fentanyl is flowing into the country. So I believe we should impeach them to answer the question. The problem we have is we have a handful of Republicans who uh, do not want to um, – uh, pursue impeachment because they, quote, don't believe that it, I'm sorry, they don't believe it is, quote, a high crime and misdemeanor. Mm. I disagree. They they think, well, it's maladministration. He's just not doing his job well. I said, no, that's not true. Not only did he lie under oath, but he's purposely not following the law. That's not maladministration. That is violating your oath. It's a violation of the public trust that we gave him in having that job. So we should impeach him. I'm not sure if we have the vote yet. Um, I can promise you that it is my uh, uh, effort and intent to press forward with it. And frankly, I think we're going to have the vote anyway and make government have to decide. And want to vote no on impeaching my orcas? You go explain that to the American people. That's right. I don't think it's explainable. But anyway, that's that's where we sit. I've been trying to be deferential to uh, the Homeland Security Chairman Mark Green, who agrees with me that we should impeach my orcas, as well as Jim Jordan and, and judiciary. But uh, but at some point here, we may have to force uh, a way to try to call the question. Okay, that's uh, my Orcus impeachment. Let's go to uh, the possibility of a budget. Now, if I understand correctly, uh, your good friend Steve Dace, a uh, number of years ago, had a, a trivia question, and he was having people call in, and he wanted to know when was the last time we had a budget proposed uh, in uh, for the federal government when we actually operated under a budget. And uh, I took a long shot at that, and it was uh, Clinton. And it was President Clinton the last time we had a budget, and I won a prize from uh, your buddy Steve. So are we going to, or is that still true? Is that the last budget we were operating on? And how many more continuing resolutions are you going to stand for? Yeah, well, I don't believe we should be uh, operating the way we're operating. Now, of course, the omnibus spending bill wasn't a continuing resolution. Uh, we passed an omnibus spending bill last uh, December uh, that, frankly, unfortunately, 17 Republican senators voted for and jammed over the, the interest of Republicans in the House. And um, so we were um, uh, uh, now, I believe, we are uh, faced with the only real point of leverage we're going to have uh, is this September, since we gave away our leverage on the debt ceiling deal against my wishes and against my vote and against my try trying to take down the rule. A deal was cut with Democrats and they passed the debt ceiling increase. Well, now the rubber's going to meet the road because uh, the debt ceiling deal was just an extension of continued deficit spending. Mm -hmm. And that's bad enough. But now we're going to get into the business of funding government. And so now the question is going to be, does the Speaker, do uh, House Republicans uh, choose to fund a government that is at war with its people, fund a Department of Justice, fund a Department of Homeland Security that is at odds with its people and uh, weaponized against them and not securing the border and a two-tiered system of justice, um, or are we going to hold the line using the purse to do something with it? We ought to pass a budget that balances. We ought to withhold funding uh, from these uh, bureaucracies until they change their actions with the right policies. And we ought to 
uh, lower spending to pre-COVID levels as a down payment on moving this country in the right direction. That's our position, and we're going to keep fighting for it. And I can promise you I'm going to throw everything I have at fighting for that this fall uh, in September. All right, let's let's take a – this is a question that was sent to me yesterday as well. And um, it's a question, and I believe everyone who's ever run for office as a, as a representative or a senator, whether it be at a state level or even, heavens, at a, at a city level – you will uh, campaign that I'm going to go to Washington, I'm going to go to Austin, I'm going to go to the you know, city council, and I'm going to do this, we're going to do that. And, and we make, whether you call them campaign promises or whether we call them campaign, uh, uh, whatever you want to call them, but then you get to Washington and it's or Austin and these things don't happen. What uh, And people get very frustrated with that, Chip. Would you tell us, would you tell us why... Would you, would you give us your answer to that question, please, sir? Well, I mean, there's two answers to the question. One is the kind of psychological one, which is guys get up there and they start drinking the Kool-Aid and they start coming up with excuses as to why we can't do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Chip, we don't have the votes in the House because we can't control people from around the country. Chip, we don't have 60 votes in the Senate. Chip, we don't even have 50 votes in the Senate. Chip, we don't have the White House. You know how the president's going to – there's always an excuse. There always has been. And the truth is you can force change if you're willing to fight for it, if you're willing to lay it all on the line to do something with it. Remember everybody during the speaker's fight in January is like, guys, you guys are going to give away the speakership. You're going to let a Democrat get it. You guys are crazy. You mean Mm. how many people were calling me with that stuff? I know. I say, guys, calm down. We we, First of all, the republic's not going to rise or fall on this one vote number one number two that's not going to happen we need to stand up and fight and we did and we got material changes we didn't get enough we got material changes that i think move things in the right direction as my friend matt gates said last night on a twitter spaces that i was on with him uh he said uh well you know we got pretty much an a on the personnel changes we got good people on appropriations we got conservatives on the rules committee Etc. But, you know, we're getting a kind of a, a, a D minus or F on policy. We passed a handful of good bills, but we blew it all on the debt ceiling deal. And now we're staring down the barrel of big spending. So there are things that we've got to go force changes on. Now, I'll answer the second question. The second reason is because if I'm being honest, when you have 222 and you've got to get 218 hmm. and a sizable block of those 222 do not share the same values that you and I share. Mm. Uh, they are not as concerned about, you know, I don't know, pick your issue, transgender surgeries in the military, or they're not as issue, concerned about, uh, you know, uh, DEI and, and that kind of stuff and diversity and, and uh, those kinds of mm-hmm. offices, uh, you know, or they're not as concerned about the border because they're not a Texas state. And they don't mm. follow it as closely, whatever it is. It is, it, you know, it takes a lot of effort to try to force getting to 218. Now, I will tell you, we have been successful better than we ever have been before, which will not be comfort for any of the people that are listening to this show because they're like, look, I just want it fixed, and you're not fixing it. Right. I agree. But we, have, but we have passed H.R. 2, the best border security bill we've ever passed. We passed a Limit Save Grow bill, which had enormous improvements in it uh, that would have been a great bill if we'd actually uh, you know, followed that in the debt ceiling. And in the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act in July, we included a ban on transgender surgeries. 
We included a ban on abortion, tourism, funding, and travel. We included a ban on diversity, equity, inclusion offices and all of the race-based government. We included a ban on the president's climate change directives at the Pentagon. It was a really good bill. First time I've been happy to vote for a national defense bill. But guess what happened? The Senate gutted all of that stuff, and only four senators voted against it. So we're going to have to go pick another fight on why we should not fund a national defense authorization that continues social engineering. I mean, look, it's just game time. I'm not going to do it. I don't give a sh- uh, you know what, <laughs> on what these people say about, oh, shit, but it's our defense. You know, China, look, China's kicking our butt because we're woke. Either end the wokeness or just go ahead and surrender because that's where we're headed. Mm. Man, powerful words. Uh, Chip, I got one more question before we let you go. Um, the um, And this is bringing it back to Texas. Um, the um, uh, Austin has uh, very obviously uh, lots of state buildings in it. We've got the Capitol, a lot of other office state, and even a couple of federal offices there in uh, downtown Austin. And uh, those are protected by state troopers and uh, probably by, I, I don't know if we have like a capital police force or not, or if that's uh, state troopers, but uh, those, uh, all those properties are protected by state troopers. Now, the citizens of the city of Austin over the last few years have chosen freely elected people who want to get rid of the police force in Austin, who want to break it down, who want to bust it down, and, uh, and, 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 and just take the footprint of police officers away in Austin. And um, I, the uh, governor has recently stepped in uh, at least twice now, Governor Abbott, to uh, provide policing to help uh, Austin with state troopers. And both times uh, the city of Austin has kicked back once with a racist, uh, I think twice now they've said, y'all are too racist, you're pulling too many people over of color. I I take the stand that the people of Austin voted and elected a city council that does not want police officers, does not want the city of Austin policed as uh, heavily. Um, and uh, so I'm wondering why in the world should the rest of the state of Texas, people that live in Lubbock or Tahoka or people that live in Orange or, or out in El Paso, why should we pay state troopers to enforce laws in Austin when the city, when the voters of Austin do not want law enforcement? So that's a, you're 100% right that that's a smack in the face to uh, normalcy and to, you know, uh, common sense and, to, frankly, to fairness when you've got people in, like you said, Lubbock who are going to have to fit the bill, or even Fredericksburg, they're going to have to fit the bill. Uh, for what Austin ought to do. But let me make the counter-argument. We cannot let our capital city go from kind of cute, you know, uh, keep Austin weird, hippie liberal Mm -hmm. to militant San Francisco, uh, homelessness everywhere, drug use everywhere, danger on our streets everywhere, liberal. We can't do that. The state of Texas can't allow that to happen. So... While our DPS is stretched thin doing the job of the federal government, and now they're stretched thin having to do the job of the Austin City Police, I do believe that we ought to up our state efforting to uh, demand that cities that are not going to enforce the rule of law do so. Because the state government has an obligation to protect the citizens who want to visit their state capital. 
that, that are conservatives who live in and around Austin who want to go into the city because they need to. Uh, just because a radical left regime is in power doesn't mean that we should allow our Texas capital city to uh, be turned over to radical leftists and become dangerous. So now, do I think the state ought to uh, figure out how to force Austin to pay for that? Yeah. Look, I would be much more aggressive. Unfortunately, the Texas legislature is complete crap. But I would be much more aggressive in saying, no, you know what? We're going to basically take over Austin's uh, policing, and we're going to make Austinites pay for it. We're going to do it. You're going to pay for it. The, the, now the city police now report to DPS, and they're going to do their job, and they're going to go after criminals, and they're not going to play your game. And we're going to go put them in a court that's run by or you know lawyers with the attorney general, and we're going to move them to a court that's in a jurisdiction that's not going to be crazy, and we're going to go enforce the law. And, you know, at some point, you got to stop letting the crazy people take over your state. Okay. Uh, that I, I wanted to hear that. So um, you uh, recently, by the way, um, happy uh, recent birthday. That was, uh, what, about nine days ago, right? Uh, yeah. And yeah. so I, I have to tell you this. i got to brag on my wife, and actually I know several other people as well, whose phones um, alarms go off at 8.07 every evening. And we stop at my house at 8.07, and uh, I'm not doing this to brag, but I'm doing this to encourage other people to do so. We stop at my house every evening at 8.07, and we pray for Chip Roy. And we pick 8.07 because that's his birthday. And uh, so I want you to know that at 8.07 every night, there are people in the Hill Country who are stopping and praying for Chip Roy and um, we, we we're, we're we're concerned for your soul because we know when you spend that much time in D.C. that bad things happen. So Chip, people are praying for you and uh, standing behind you, and uh, just want to let you know we've got your back here in Texas, and thank you for what you're doing in D.C. Well, Matt, <clears throat> um, I've been uh, made speechless a couple times this year. Uh, this is one of them. Um, I had a young lady that was testifying in the Judiciary Committee about detransitioning, Chloe Cole. Mm. Y'all mm. haven't seen that, that, ex that exchange. Go back and watch it. I, I was brought to tears uh, sitting on the dais. Uh, but this is a similar feeling. I'm humbled by the support of such great patriots who I know just want your lives back. You want your country back. You want your state back. You want freedom for your kids and grandkids. And I'm going to lay it all on the table. Um, you know, not everybody may agree with every single thing I do. I hope most most of it. And we're heading into a season where I'm going to need that prayer. Uh, I needed it during the speaker's fight. We're about to have some serious fighting this fall. Um, and it's game time, and we got to step up for the people. So God bless you. I appreciate that. Uh, Chip, have a, a safe trip in Texas. And uh, if you need anything back here in the Hill Country, let us know. And a special hug and thanks to your wife, Kara, and your family who have to put up with you and all the junk going back and forth between Washington, D.C. and here. And so give her a hug of thank you uh, from us. And, uh, Chip, thank you again for uh, spending some time with us today. Thanks. God bless, Matt. Take care. All right. All right, there you go, Chip Roy, and that did put us behind several, um, it put us behind at least one commercial bank, but I've tried to split them out, so we're going to take a short break right now. 
Right now, we're going to take a short break. If I can get to the, here we go, there we go, that lights off. We're going to take a short break, and I'm going to get a hold of Jonathan Science, and we're going to talk about your rights um, and uh, the things uh, uh, for parents. So y'all stay tuned, and we will be right back. Protecting Texas for future generations. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. The Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back and... Um, I have on the line with me, as we do every Wednesday, Mr. Jonathan Science, um, attorney at law in Austin and um, with uh, TX Values. And uh, today I want you to follow along with us because there is a list and uh, uh, we want you to be aware of this list. And these are your rights, the things you need to know when you're sending your kids back to school this fall. And so I'm going to tell you how to get there. Go to txvalues.org and then go over to the blog tab. And when you get to the blog tab, scroll down. It was posted pretty close to the top uh, yesterday under featured posts, but now it is down at recent posts. And this was posted on August 14th. Everything you need to know before heading back to school. So that's where you need to be to catch up with us and stay up with uh, Jonathan Science and I. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Good to be with you. Thank you, sir. Tell us about, first of all, you've got a great event coming up in September and uh, looking forward to that. And uh, tell us about this uh, September 15th and 16th. And for our listening audience, folks, this is in our backyard. This is over in Austin. This is real close to get to, so take it away, Jonathan. Well, on September 15th and 16th, which is a Friday and Saturday, we're having our annual Faith, Family, and Freedom Policy Forum. This is an educational event where our goal is to educate, motivate, and activate people on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. This is our sixth year in a row to do this event. and starts on Friday afternoon and then um, goes through the day on Saturday as well, so we want to encourage people to attend. It's a very low-cost event as far as getting into the event. It includes lunch, and um, if you want, you can add on a ticket to the, the um, private dinner that we have Friday night with uh, former ambassador for the Trump administration for religious freedom, Sam Brownback. But we've got some other great speakers. Riley Gaines, who's leading the state women's sports movement, she's going to be there. Pro-life leader Abby Johnson will be speaking to Texas Supreme Court justices. Jimmy Blacklock and uh, Justice John Devine are going to be there. Paula Scanlon, this is the young lady who was on the same team with Will Thomas, the male swimmer who was swimming in the, the women's division. you got to listen to what she has to say about how she was muzzled and told to keep quiet when all that controversy was playing out last summer. And as well, we're going to have Chloe Cole. This is the young lady who was forced to go through a gender transition and then as a teenager and decided that this was not a good idea for her life, and now she's trying to sound the alarm, as well as Senator Mays Middleton, Valerie Swanson, uh, Ellen Troxclair, a number of elected officials, and then uh, some good friends of ours from around the country, Aaron Getz with the March for Life movement, 
uh, and many other great speakers. We've got a website set up, txvalues.org. You can see all the people that are going to be at this event. And, Matt, we're trying to get you out there, too, to give a little grassroots perspective on some of the work you do. Absolutely. I would be more than happy to. So let's uh, let's get that arranged. Uh, I'd have a blast. And any, any reason to go to Austin and be with conservatives is very special because most of the times I go to Austin, I'm not surrounded by uh, conservative Christians. Let's get to this blog article. I think this is very important, uh, Jonathan, the... Um, this there are so many people who I guess there are a lot of rights we've parents have had and students have had in the schools for a long time and it's never been a big deal because we've just the schools have just done a pretty dead gum good job for so many years and I, I know I'm going to get a phone call on that one but they have they have lost their ever loving minds it seems in the last four or five years. And so I think parents now even more need to know exactly what kind of, of, of rights they have, parental rights, religious rights, and things like that. So talk to us a little bit about this article. Yeah, you bet. Well, look, um, a lot of people are going back to school this week, a lot of kids, people that work in education, maybe some people last week. By the time we get to next week, just about everybody's going to be settled back into their K-12 through school. And there's some new things to know. I mean, there's some Supreme Court decisions that have come down. And so we want to go, want you to go to txvalues.org, check out our blog post on this, everything you need to know before heading back to school. And a lot of this centers around the rights that you have in regards to religious freedom and also as a parent. And there are some new state laws on this issue, too. One in particular is House Bill 900. This makes it clear that sexually explicit library books are not allowed in public school libraries and classrooms. And now children and parents are in a position to where they can see these materials ahead of time to make sure, parents at least, that uh, their children do not have this information in front of their eyes that is concerning before the parents can be involved on that issue as well. And something that carries over from last session is that parents, in order for sex education to be taught to your child, you have to have first given the school permission. Okay, this is considered opt-in, uh, not opt-out. So mm-hmm. the school has to first already have your permission before they can do it, not after the fact. It's not some permission slip that's going to end up in the bottom of the backpack that you don't see and right. you find out later. So it's important for people to know that that law continues. It's a new law we passed from last session. And, and as well as the religious freedoms that we have have been strengthened in public schools because of the Coach Kennedy case. This is the public school coach who was fired for praying on the 50-yard line after a football game. Mm. Well, not only did he win his case at the U.S. Supreme Court so he can continue to do that, and he's going back to the, the, the school in the coaching world uh, later this year, early in September, but it also changed how the Supreme Court looks at those type of issues across the board in public schools. So you're right to pray, to meet, and a variety of different things has been strengthened, as well as there's a new law that allows for chaplains to work in public schools on a volunteer basis. Now, the school district's not required to have a chaplain, but they have the freedom to have one, and there's nothing that bans them from doing that. And, you know, it would be great to see a lot more of a spiritual element in our public school these days. 
Absolutely, without a doubt. Actually, and you were talking about the books. We got a couple of things going on. Uh, Jared Patterson's uh, office called me this morning on my drive in. We had uh, Representative Patterson on a few weeks ago, and uh, we're going to have him on again here pretty soon to uh, talk about the implementation of of House Bill 900. Um, but also uh, tonight in Fredericksburg, we have uh, Tara Petch. Um, whose grievances on these books started about a year and a half ago. She is finally getting her level three grievance hearing this evening. And so um, we'd appreciate everybody out there praying for that and y'all. But uh, if you've uh, got any way you can send anybody to Fredericksburg for our 530, this is a special school board meeting. And um, we've got Tara, who's going to be up there this afternoon fighting um, I we're not too sure that HB 900 is going to clear books out of the school by September 1st. Is that are these books just going to disappear on September 1st? Well, you'd hope so, right? Right. I, mean, I don't have that much faith in some people in education, but the law does go into effect on September 1st. So these school districts better get ready because we fully in, uh, intend to allow parents and administrators and other people to protect their rights as parents and to follow this law. And, you know, the legislature, the governor's office, the attorney general, they all fully intend to enforce these laws. And I know there's going to be a lot of attention around it. Fort Worth has found themselves in the middle of this. You know, sometimes people uh, don't pay attention a lot or the timing sneaks up on them and they realize, yeah, they, these are new laws. You've got to follow them. And so, uh, but I encourage people to go to our website, txvalues.org. Check out that blog post, everything you need to know before heading back to school. And most of the article centers around K through 12, right, kindergarten through through high school. Mm-hmm. But there are other laws, too, that new ones that have passed, the state women's sports law, which protects your right not only in K through 12, but also at the collegiate level, that if you're at a public university or college, that includes um, junior colleges uh-huh. and so on, colleges, that if you have an athletics program that you cannot – be forced to compete against a man. A male athlete cannot compete in women's sports, and that's based on the birth certificate, um, the original birth certificate of the athlete. And so, look, we also have Senate Bill 12. All right, it's not limited to just public schools, but it does include public schools. You can have sexual performances. We know a lot of these have been drag queen performances, sexual performances in front of kids. That is a criminal violation if you violate that in Senate Bill 12. And so those are a couple of things that we cover. And just to remind people, right, I mean, things like celebrating Christmas and other Christmas holidays, having Christian clubs, having um, student-led prayer on your own if you're praying before your meal or you have an after-school club, a lot of those things um, are a part of the First Amendment rights that we have in public schools. But we cover all that in our blog post, everything you need to know before you go back to school. There you go, Jonathan. There's so many more things I'd like to talk to you about, but we are completely out of time. I'd like to spend some time talking to you about Shaq. Um, I think I'll put that in my notes for next Wednesday about the Student Health Advisory Committees. Um, yep. uh, on Monday night, uh, just quick, uh, give you an update. On Monday night, the school board uh, here in uh, Fredericksburg said that uh, they just uh, dissolved the current shack and said, yeah, we're just going to make a new one, out with the old, in with the new, and, and we're just going to start all over, and we're going to go from a shack of about 20-some-odd to uh, seven. 
And um, I, there's, they just, people who had two year terms on that were just informed Monday night in a real quick vote that, nah, your two year term doesn't count. The shack got dissolved and we're going to start all over. Um, we'd sure love to hear from you about that if we could do that next Wednesday. And, um, yes, sir. Let's cover that next week. I agree. All right, there you go. Thank you very much, Jonathan. We appreciate it, and thank you for being flexible on your Wednesday morning schedule with me. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. See you, Matt. All right, there you go. All right, folks, like I said, we have bumped up. Um, I did not run the commercial break during Chip Roy's, so um, it, we're going to have to squeeze them in, so y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Rhinos hate him. I'm out, come out wherever you are. He's Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. All right, we are back, and um, I want to tell you, like I said, we got to have to. We're going to jam in a couple of one more uh, commercial break after uh, before the top of the hour. Again, my apologies, but I thought it was very important that we just had Chip Roy uh, kind of un, un unbroken up there, and so um, I appreciate your uh, patience with me on uh, that. But uh, by the way, if you don't support those who are advertising on this radio program. This radio program will go away. I mean, that's just how it works. It's capitalism. And so you have this, um, this, this whole capitalist idea is that, um, these, uh, uh, local businesses will say, you know, I'm getting some value by advertising on, uh, the Hill Country Patriot. And, um, and so therefore, um, I'm going to spend money to advertise there because I'm receiving value back. If they stop receiving value back, then we we all go away. So please, when you hear commercials that are being played during this show, uh, support these businesses. Uh, please do that. Um, so I have found a new website. I've had people ask me over the years, where do you get your news? Um, uh, where you know, where do you find uh, unbiased stuff? Well, uh, there's no such thing as unbiased. I don't care who's writing it. Um, it, I, I guess maybe AI could write an unbiased report, but, um, one of the, um, and my regulars are, excuse me, Texas scorecard, the Texan.news, currentrevolt.com, the Texas Tribune, which yes, it's fun to read because you can see their leaning is so strong in it. You just chuckle as you're reading through them. Um, and, uh, then we have the one I found yesterday and I'm going to start getting a live feed from it. It's called the center square, the center square.com, the center square.com. They have, uh, they have national news, but also they have a daily, um, news feed that is specific to Texas. And so you can go to the Texas tab on there and um it has all texas news these this website is um and they're not paying me to tell you about this but they are a it is i'm trying to remember how they described it without going looking about it here he goes about the center square it is um uh, is to fulfill the need for high quality state house and statewide news across the united states 
And here's we go. Here's it. The focus of our work is state and local level government and economic reporting. A taxpayer sensibility distinguishes our work from other coverage of state and local issues. So taxpayer sensibility is where they're coming from on this website. And you can actually get them, if you want to get in on their mailing list, you can actually get it just for their Texas uh, news uh, that comes out on their mailing list. So I want to recommend that one. Take a look at it, the, thecentersquare.com. Um, if anybody has any issues with that uh, uh, page, let me know. But uh, so far, I like it, and uh, I am getting uh, their daily uh, Texas um, economic or uh, a tax uh, taxpayer sensibility viewpoint. All right, folks, this is another one of those commercial breaks. We've got to squeeze in, so hang in there. We'll be right back. He's seen a few skirmishes in his time. Matt Long on the Hill Country Patriot. There we go, little Ted to bring us into the fourth quarter, and it's not even Friday yet, so there you go. Um, the um, school board uh, this last week, uh, there was uh, in, in the board meeting before that, Fredericksburg uh, Board of Trustees, um, their meeting before that, there was a presentation made uh, by a young lady, a social worker, um, who just said there's all these poor, undocumented uh, uh, migrants in uh, in in the hill country and uh we've we've the school has to take care of them the school needs to get them uh medical help the school needs to get them counseling the school it needs to take care of all these poor people in fact at the next shack meeting um uh, it's uh at the next shack meeting i believe this is true that um there's going to be discussion about bringing frontera um, into the school and who is Frontera? They take care of um, they take care of illegal aliens, the medical uh, care of illegal aliens, um, and so we've got all of this <sighs> that the school is going to take care of the poor. I want to I want to just remind you in the last uh, couple of minutes that we have left here that caring for the poor. Whose responsibility is it anyway? And as God's people were preparing to enter the promised land, Moses wanted to ensure that they remembered the laws that God had given them 40 years earlier when they had first uh, been there but failed to enter. Um, in this, uh, these uh, instructions in Deuteronomy, yeah, that one, Deuteronomy uh, 15, um, it says that uh, the poor will never cease to be in the land, therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. 1,500 years later, the Apostle Paul comes in in Galatians and says, Remember the poor. And he talks about the idea that it is to the church and to the individual to take care of the poor, the, 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 the naked, the hungry, 
and the widows and orphans. This is a job for you and I and our churches to take care of. It is not the job of the government, whether it be the school, which, by the way, that's those are government schools, aren't they? It's not up to them. It's up to us. Now, why are they taking it over, and why has the federal government been taking this over and the state government for so many years? Because we stopped following God's law. Someone had to fill in the blank. Who do you think was going to do it? We've got to take that back. Folks, um, I, I've talked often about the, the, the dream of waking up someday and the food stamp program being completely gone. Not because we got rid of it and we don't want to feed those people, but because we started doing what we're supposed to do. And there's no more need for it anymore. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine. KRNH HD2, Kerrville, K271CH, Fredericksburg, K2A2BI.